guys, welcome back. To those of you who have been following along, thank you for joining me again. For the first time listener, my name is Jason, and I sincerely appreciate you being here with me on the Your Story podcast. This creative narrative that we're making here, and I say we because without you, there is no show, is to hopefully bring some perspective, some reality, and maybe a little peace and solace and the knowledge that you're not alone in what you're going through. We're connected, every one of us. And I mean, in the macrocosmic sense, yes. But here, with this little show that I'm trying to make, and making, you have submitted stories, you listen, you call in with your small successes, and I feel privileged to be a part of that connection. Last week, we spoke with Tiffany Jenkins, or Juggling the Jenkins, about the importance of storytelling and being vulnerable and being authentic with your story and how it benefits the storyteller as much as the listener. Today, we begin telling stories about new beginnings, renaissance, new perspectives, new chapters in your book. And while new beginnings can be very inspiring and uplifting, the cost for that new perspective is oftentimes loss. Loss shows us the reality that nothing is permanent. When loss happens, change and adaptation occur, and then hopefully a new beginning. I've always said that there's a difference between getting over something and getting on with something. Some things you'll never get over, but you most certainly do have to move on. The idea of this podcast is to show that life can be difficult and why cover it up when openness can lead to acceptance and comprehension and with those types of understanding, it's easier to feel less isolated. And when you feel less isolated, you feel more powerful and confident. Maybe that's enough to start your new beginning. I once heard that life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. We all have that fear of uncertainty and new beginnings and perspectives can come from overcoming that fear. Sometimes people get to choose to take on their fear. Others have no choice but to tackle their fear that was thrust upon them. Today, I bring you a story of survival and strength from a very bright and warm soul named Elizabeth. You don't know how lucky you are until you face your own mortality. You have to stay positive. You have to believe that you're going to get through this. I once had a doctor tell me that it was 50% my treatment and then it was 50% my mindset that got me out of this. We'll hear her story right after this. This is Elizabeth. Hello. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, I'm so happy you got to join Elizabeth is like any of us, could be any of us. She's smart, she's funny, she has dreams. I'm six classes away from getting my bachelor's degree in human services. I ultimately want to be a bereavement counselor where I help people with grief. But seven years ago, she was completely blindsided by what was coming next in her life. Well, I was diagnosed in November of 2013. After six months of testing, it was, so I have a super, super rare blood cancer. Fun fact, I am the youngest female ever to be diagnosed with this disease. And they study me at Mayo, so I'm kind of a big deal also. So, <laughs> But it's called Poems Syndrome. 
Poems syndrome, that's P-O-E-M-S, is a rare blood disorder that damages your nerves and affects other parts of your body. POEMS stands for the signs and symptoms. I started having physical symptoms in April of 2013. I just felt some tingling in my feet and I was like, wow, that's really weird. And they had me do every test in the book. You know, I had an EKG to check my heart. I had EMGs to check my muscles. I had, and during this whole process, I was quickly losing my ability to walk. I was become my feet were becoming numb, my legs were becoming too like it felt like I was dragging around cement, my fingers were becoming numb, I was ho- having a hard time holding my bladder, like just normal things were just falling apart and it was very it was very rapidly happening. So they sent me to get a MRI because I was also having really bad migraines and when the MRI came back there were lesions all over my skull and my bone marrow was leaking. And the very first thing that they said was I had advanced bone and blood cancer. They told me this the Friday before Labor Day. I, I basically was like, okay, so we're planning my funeral. I'm dying. That's what happened. And, you know, my doctors, my team was amazing. They just were so confident. Like, you were so healthy before all this happened. We know we're going to figure this out. It's going to be okay. And, you know, I tried really, really hard to stay positive through the whole thing. But the longer it went, the more scary words that they were using, it got really, really hard to stay confident. Like, I'm going to get through this. After that, I went in for a bone marrow biopsy, and they weren't sure that it was bone cancer after that. And my my doctor, it was divine intervention, he said he had seen one case of POEM syndrome when he was in med school. And it, this is what it looks like, but it's very rare for females to have it. He didn't feel comfortable treating it. He didn't feel comfortable diagnosing it. So he asked me, if I would feel comfortable going to Mayo, which is nine hours from my house. And so I called Mayo and I said, I'm 29. They think I might have poem syndrome. And they said, can you be here on Monday? I went up there and my team there was absolutely amazing. They were completely confident they were going to be able to treat me. They were going to be able to get my legs working again. And I, you know, that positive attitude really, really helped me stay positive. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm only 29. I, I have so much more life to live. Like, let's do what we got to do. Having all those doctors around and staying confident with me was amazing, but it was scary. I mean, I would lie. I would be lying if I said I wasn't scared. So when I got to Mayo, I was still able to use my cane a little because I I went from not being able to like walk long periods of time I could still walk without any walking aids but I went from walking not long periods of time to using a cane to using a walker to being in a wheelchair had my stem cell transplant on February 6 2014 so from April of 2013 to February of 2014 is when I had all the treatment, everything. They said when I went in, I was 70% diseased. It was it was pretty bad. Well, I threw up for 34 days straight. That was awesome. Um, and 
I lost 71 pounds, so that was pretty rough. So I was at Mayo for six weeks. I did physical therapy while I was there. I wore leg braces that were very similar to uh, Forrest Gump. First time I saw a little light at the end of the tunnel was when I was able to go up a set of stairs. It was only three or four steps, but I did it and they were like, all right, you're making progress. And um, I ended up wearing those leg braces for two and a half years before I was able to get out of them. I would say it was about six weeks after my stem cell transplant that I was able to do that. And it it was like, okay, all right, we're coming to the other end. It's going to be a long journey, but we're doing it. There are still days where I think, um, you know, I've, I've done everything I can do. I'm as far as I'm going to get on this journey. Like, I'm not going to get any better. I just kept setting more and more goals for myself. Like, let's get to the point where I don't need my cane. I'll still use my leg braces, but let's get to the point where I don't use my cane. Let's get to the point where I can drive again. Just a constant journey of setting goals and accomplishing them and making yourself believe that you can accomplish them. And it was super scary. I broke my ankle um, in three places. I broke my all four of my metatarpals on my toes. Um, I broke all four of my toes. I broke the side of my foot. Like trying to relearn to walk without my braces was very rough. But I did it. And I haven't broken a bone in three years, so I'm doing good. Yeah, it was a long journey to get. <laughs> it was a lot of break. And, and this is something I really preach to other people is we had to have some really hard conversations together and they were really scary. And it was, we talked a lot about like what I want when I die, if I died, like, you know, if I go into a coma, living will stuff. And those are really hard conversations to have with a parent no matter what. But I am I'm so grateful that my mom was so open to those things. My mom is just my relationship with her is very strong. And did we get on each other's nerves? Yeah, absolutely. We spent every day together for two years. We also know each other so well now that there's just this unbreakable bond. She she saved my life. I couldn't have done it without her. And I know that. And I'm just very, my great, my gratitude for her is very great. And my relationship with my friends and my and my siblings and all that stuff, everything is very... I mean, just to like go straight into perspective, everything has been, you don't know how lucky you are until you face your own mortality and everything can change in a moment's notice. And I'm not going, I'm going to appreciate the things I have. I'm not going to waste time on stuff that upsets me or makes me mad. Like I just, I just live life to the fullest because that's all I got. First and foremost, don't give up no matter what you have to stay positive you have to believe you're going to get through it and yeah, and that's not that doesn't mean that you're not going to have dark days i had this dream once that i was going to that i planned my entire funeral and i woke up crying and i was like i'm going to die and then you just talk it through and you're like no no i'm not going to let this eat me up i'm going to get through this don't give up thank Elizabeth for sharing her story with us this week and being so open with us about the struggles she went through and continues to go through on her new beginning. Elizabeth didn't have a choice but to deal with this fear, the biggest 
fear. But some of us do have the opportunity to take advantage of the time we have and to dare to face the fears while we have the choice. Next week, I speak with some musicians who, after years of songwriting and private practice sessions, begin their journey to performing in front of 10,000 people. Will they get there? We'll follow their journey with our first encounter with the soulful duo Spondiferous next week. For everyone who's made it this far in the episode, I appreciate you listening. I work really hard on these episodes, and I can't tell you how much it means to me. To all my private sponsors, thank you for your contributions during this really trying time. If you would like to be a sponsor of this free podcast, please visit the link in the description of this episode. I'm eight episodes in this new season, and I'm not stopping. Thank you for listening to your story. 